0: This show is for adult listeners and may contain harsh language and violence. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is dedicated to Edmonton True Crime. This is Episode 2, The Unsolved Cases of Aaron Tilley and Dylan McGillis. Sources are eps.ca, saltwire.com, Global News, and CBC News. Aaron Tilley. On December 7th, 2007, Erin Tilly was in a vehicle with friends after leaving the Empire Ballroom at West Edmonton Mall. Tilly was shot while in the car and subsequently died of her wounds. A young Newfoundland woman who spent much of her life in St. John's before moving to Edmonton with her family was shot and killed early Friday morning. She was the 31st person murdered in Edmonton this year. Edmonton police say 27-year-old Aaron Ann Tilly died of gunshot wounds after a shooting incident between two cars in an intersection in the city. Around 2.45am Friday, December 7th, someone called 911 to report shots fired, possibly between two vehicles at the intersection of 95th Avenue and 156th Street in Edmonton. The complaint could only describe the vehicles as a blue car and a white car, said police. A short time later, two adult females arrived at the Royal Alexandra Hospital in a blue car. Tilly was suffering from an apparent life-threatening gunshot wound. She was later pronounced dead on arrival. Police spokeswoman Karen Carlson said police received little cooperation from the second female. Detectives believe a number of other people were in the car with Tilly, but they have yet to come forward. No other people were reported injured at the shooting. Carlson said they don't normally release photos of the victims, but they wanted to put a face to the crime and hope more people will come forward with information. Quote, we want people to see this incident as not a number. We want to send a picture out so people can see that there's a human side to these types of incidents. Close quote. According to Carlson, there are people not involved in the incident that were in the immediate area and police want them to come forward with any information that they have. Carlson said the detectives are investigating the possibility of gang involvement in the incident. It doesn't appear at this time that the victim was directly involved with the gang, nor does it appear that she was the intended target of the shooting. Tilly had never come to the attention of Edmonton police prior to the incident, said Carlson. The investigation into the incident continues. Dylan McGillis at approximately 2.30 a.m. Sunday, November 19, 2006, the victim and his friends left a bar from the south side of White Avenue and walked northbound across the avenue near 106th Street. Once across the street, the group met several males. Words were exchanged and the suspect's group quickly grew into more than a dozen people. McGillis and his friends attempted to leave, but were swarmed by the other group, resulting in victims and his friends being pushed to the ground. McGillis was guided away by one of his friends, but they were followed by some of the people from the other group. One of the males lunged forward and the victim was stabbed. The suspect and his group then fled the scene. McGillis was transported to hospital, but died from the injuries. Police have laid charges in relation to this file but are looking for more information on other suspects that are also believed to be responsible for McGillis's death. The only man charged in connection with the death of McGillis has been sentenced to five years behind bars. Cleophas DeCoin Zunga was found guilty of manslaughter seven years after McGillis was fatally stabbed on White Avenue. During the trial, Court heard the 20-year-old victim got into an argument with some strangers in 2006. It quickly escalated with eight to nine people swarming McGillis and his friends. Quote, it kind of blew up. Everybody was basically getting beat up around me. There were maybe three people alone stomping Dylan, close quote, McGillis' friend Robin Palak told Court. Palak said she and McGillis tried to run but were followed. Quote, then I had somebody come in. There was a forward motion with his arm. I was covered in blood, and I realized I was cut. I was kind of lost for words. Close quote. Dylan McGillis was stabbed in the stomach and later died. In court, Palak identified Cleophas de Coin as one of the men who assaulted McGillis. I'm sure I can honestly never forget his face. Close quote. But Palak said the accused isn't the man who stabbed McGillis. She never saw the face of the person who stabbed McGillis. The judge said Decoin Zunga may not have stabbed him, but because he took part in assault, that's enough for the man according to law. Quote, If things go awry and somebody goes overboard and the person ends up dead, you can be held responsible. Close quote. Explained Crown Prosecutor Ashley Findlayan. Quote, when you engage in a group attack on someone, things can get out of control very quickly, the serious injuries can occur, and you are responsible, potentially, for the actions of the group. And so, if someone dies, you can be held accountable for that death. Quote. Family and friends of McGillis filed into a courtroom at the Alberta Law Courts in February to hear the guilty verdict. A few claps could be heard inside the courtroom when the judge said DeCoin Zonga was guilty. Afterwards, there was a lot of hugs and celebration outside the court amongst the victim's family. They said they missed McGillis desperately, but the decision helped their grieving. Quote, you're wishing and you don't want to wish too hard because what if it went the other way? So it's just like a big weight come off my shoulders. I'm happy but bittersweet happiness close quote, said McGillis' mother, Marlene Barris. De Coinzanga was free on bail prior to the sentence hearing. De Coinzanga told McGillis' family he will pray for them and that if he knew someone had a knife that night, he would have walked away. However, McGillis' father rejected the apology and applauded the suggested prison sentence. Quote, it's something that hopefully that can deter the other people from doing things as far as remorse goes. I didn't see any. Close quote, Grant McKillis said outside of court. Quote, I haven't seen any for the last seven years, he said. He had ample opportunity throughout the Mr. Big Sting. He dived right in and I haven't seen any remorse. Close quote. The Crown described a De coin involvement in the swarming as cowardly and unprovoked, recommending a prison sentence of four to six years. If you have any information on this individual or any other missing persons, please contact the Edmonton Police Service at 780-423-4567 or Edmonton Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477 or submit your tip online. And remember, someone always knows something. This is a bonus of Nico Arlia. Before I start, I would like to bring up the fact that I had gone to junior high with him at one point and we were friends. I had just recently found a news clipping stored away regarding his passing that I kept all these years, which brought me to the idea of covering him. May God rest his soul. A 20-year-old man was sentenced to eight years in prison on the fatal stabbing of a teen during a party at Killarney Community Center last year, according to published media reports. Kevin Ishmael Moffat pleaded guilty in Edmonton Court of Queen's Bench to manslaughter, aggravated assault, an assault with a weapon, and the slaying of a 17-year-old Nico Arlea on January 9, 2011. Two other teens were injured in the incident at the hall located at 87th Street and 130 A Avenue. An Edmonton man who killed a teen in a cowardly and thoughtless act of evil and stabbed two others during a melee at a community hall party was put in prison on Friday. Justice Eric Macklin called it a tragic case with a lot of victims and lamented how traditional schoolyard fights with fists have turned into fights with weapons and death. This must end, said Macklin. I don't know when this took place, but it has to end. High school students shouldn't have to live in fear going to community halls. Quote, it's frankly shocking to the court and to the community, said Macklin, referring to young people bringing weapons to public places to wreak mayhem. It's an unacceptable, close quote. According to agreed facts, a series of altercations between three groups of young people at Killarney Community Hall at the night of January 9th, 2011 resulted resulted in the death of Nico Arlea, 17, and serious injuries to Bradley, Roy, Bandura, and David Nemen. Crown Prosecutor Chanel Washenfelder told court Arlea had gone to the hall party with friends and fellow students from St. Joseph High School, including Nemen and Peter Messieu, while Moffat was there with his sibling Kim, his cousin Sean Fortas, and friend Jason Redoy. Roy Bandura was also at the party with high school friends, but they had no association with the Moffat or Arlea. Court also heard Radoy had gone to St. Joseph's and had a long-standing friendship with Arlea, but the friendship ended in a public dispute began in late 2010. The ongoing dispute included a physical fight at the school in November 2010 and continued on social media. There were 70 to 80 young people ranging in age from 14 to 22 at the hall party, and while no alcohol was being served, people were seen boozing in the parking lot. An initial conflict began when Moffat and Radoy arrived, involving the Moffat group and the Arlea group. However, security guards were initially able to separate them. Then there was an altercation between Fortas and two girls, and Roy Bandura and his friends got involved. Moffat and Roy Bandura fought and Moffat stabbed Roy Bandura three times in the chest, collapsing a lung. The fight then erupted into a melee with multiple combatants, including Moffat and Arlea. During the brief battle, Arlea was stabbed three times in the torso, he grabbed his stomach, turned white and ran from the hall. Court heard Arlea had rang the front and the back doorbells at nearby home and then collapsed in the snow in front of another residence. He was found by police at 2.10 a.m. and pronounced dead at the scene a few minutes later. An autopsy revealed a fatal wound to his heart. Meanwhile back at the hall, the men approached Moffat and Redoy, and he accused Moffat of stabbing Arlea and challenged Redoy to a fight. Moffat then said, you want to get stabbed, and Namen re- responded by saying, do it. Moffat then struck Namen in the torso, and Nemen collapsed to the ground with a minor wound. Moffat, who was identified by witnesses as a result of his unique neck tattoo and chin-strap beard, was later arrested at Radoi's home. Arlea's mother and sister cried as their victim impact statements were read out. Arlea's father called Moffat an evil coward and in his victim impact statement said that the slaying was a cowardly and thoughtless act of evil. Defense lawyer Kent Texty told court Moffat had also been going to high school at the time and said his Guyana-born client was remorseful for his senseless actions. Moffat got credit for 15 and a half months in pretrial custody, leaving him with a little under seven years to serve. Thanks for listening. This is a part of the ACAST Production Network.